With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are almost there. The 2016 NFL Draft. The journey is almost over. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Chris McPherson alongside Fran Duffy and Alex Smith. we got Brian Thomas handling things behind the scenes. And gentlemen, we've been doing this podcast since the fall, since it was the 2015 football season. How excited are you guys that finally all the debate, all the questions, all the gossip, all the rumors, innuendo, all that will come to a close. We will know where the players are going to be selected in the seven rounds of the NFL draft. Their journey to the draft ends, but their journey through the NFL continues. And our journey to 2017 then begins. But it's, it's obviously it's a very exciting week. It's one of my favorite weeks on the, on the calendar. Uh, there's nothing like football season, but I, I love the NFL draft, and so a very, very exciting week. Yeah, and for me, this was really the first year. This was the deepest I ever got into the NFL draft. I mean, from going to the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game and really just, you know, getting to know, like, all these prospects. Uh, it's the most work that I've ever done for the draft. Um, so I'm really excited to see where they all where they all go. It's interesting to me because... After Thursday or, or after the weekend's over, it's like you have such a different opinion of these guys because, like, oh, he's a cowboy. Well, he's a giant. It's like, well, I like that guy. But now, you know, if nope. they're playing for oh, rivals, we don't like them. Right. It's, it's, they're a completely new player once they have an NFL identity. The greatest example of that was Odell Beckham because we loved oh, yeah. him. Right. Loved, had so much fun with him during the pre-draft process. And then when he went to the Giants, you're like, man, we're going to have to we face him We couldn't play the drop anymore. Right. No, nothing on those lines. So, <laughs> so what we're going to have for you today on this last pre-draft edition of the podcast in our draft buzz, we're going to go over some of the latest news and notes. Our good friend Tony Pauline has provided us with some of the last-minute buzz, last-second buzz leading up to the draft, and we'll go through some Eagles-only seven-round mock drafts. Our Mr. Relevant will be senior college football reporter and columnist for Fox Sports, Bruce Feldman. He'll take us inside to give us some in-depth info into the top two quarterbacks in this year's draft class, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. One of them will become a Philadelphia Eagle. Our pick six, six bold predictions for draft weekend. And then in our draft mailbag, we ask you, the fans, to do your own Eagles-only mock draft. We'll see what you guys have come up with. Uh, First, let's get into what our programming is going to be over the next couple of days. Beginning Wednesday, it's our Eagles Draft Central preview show. I will be hosting alongside with former Eagles linebacker Ike Reese. Beginning at 5 p.m., we'll have a one-on-one interview with Dave Spadaro and Doug Pearson. Fran, you're going to take us inside the film room with NFL Film senior producer Greg Cosell. It's going to be a great way to get you ready. It's going to be the appetizer before the first round, which comes starting at 7.30 p.m. with our Eagles Draft Central show. It will be live on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You can also download the Eagles mobile app for continuous draft coverage all weekend long at 7.30 p.m. on Thursday. It will be myself and Ross Tucker hosting the show. We're going to have Fran and Greg doing breakdowns of the top prospects, including who the Eagles select with the number two overall pick. Alex will be in Chicago 
Correct. You will get a one-on-one -on -one interview. The first local report to get a one-on-one -on -one interview. Yes, I will. With the new Eagles draft pick, the new Eagles quarterback, well, former Eagles linebacker Ike Reese in the show, and then Dave Spadaro will be reporting from inside the NovaCare complex to provide some unique angles. You definitely do not want to miss that. We have so much great content for you coming over the next couple of days. You definitely need to make sure you stay tuned to PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Just if you have your laptop, you have your smartphone, just have the app running. We'll have great stuff for you all weekend long. And then we will be live Friday at, at 6.30 p.m. on Friday. Draft starts at 7 and then at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday for the final two days of the draft. We'll have a half-hour preview show before the draft kicks off, and then we will be live every time the Eagles make a selection on the last two days. So, fellas, that's a recap of what we've got coming for you the next couple of days. Now let's get into our draft buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, to kick things off here on Draft Buzz, let's go to our good friend, NFL Network, Eagles preseason analyst, Mike Mayock. He comes out with his final, his final position rankings. He even has a big board. And at the top of the big board is a player who might be there at number two for the Eagles, quarterback Carson Wentz. Yeah, and I know Mike loves Carson Wentz. Uh, he's liked him since the first time he watched him. Now, he might not have always had him as number one, but he has said over the last few weeks that the more he talks to people about Carson Wentz, he was at the Pro Day out in Fargo and talked to coaches and uh, former teammates and, and people there, support staff, everybody raves about the kid. And he talks, he's been going around from team to team to team to team uh, throughout the pre-draft process, visiting with coaching staffs and with scouting staffs. And they all said, Carson Wentz, great kid, great kid, great kid. He's fallen in love with Carson Wentz. So not a surprise to see him put him number one. Yeah, Mayak has been all in on Carson Wentz for really most of this draft process. Uh, and, he, you know, you see some other top 100 boards or, the, you know, the big boards out there from some of the other draft nicks. Um, and I think they, they typically put some of the position players a little bit higher up. Um, but give Mayak credit. This is his guy. He's sticking with him. He believes in him. Um, and some of the other evaluators from, from around the league and in the media, are, I think, are really starting to get on board with that as well. So um, I... I kind of agree with uh, with Mike here too. I've been a Carson Wentz guy all along, so um, I I can't agree, I can't disagree with what he says. That's the next item on Draft Buzz is Alex Smith as uh, Carson Wentz is number one on this draft board. <laughs> there you go, breaking news. <laughs> the rest of uh, Mayock's top five: Jalen Rams. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Jalen Ramsey, number two; Laramie Tunsil, number three; Ronnie Stanley at number four, and Miles Jack rounding out the it's, top five. Stanley's a bit of a surprise for me at number four. Uh, it sounds like his stock has really been on the rise in the last week or so, with even some people are saying that he may be a better prospect than Laramie Tunsil, which is interesting to me because I feel like you know, a couple weeks ago at this point, uh, it was uh, maybe Jack Conklin is, Conklin is, a, is a higher prospect than uh, Stanley. So it's always interesting to see how these things kind of shape out right at the end of the road. Well, especially when Laramie Tunsil was the favorite to be the number one pick sure. up until three weeks ago until the Rams moved up to number one overall. So to be number one and then possibly not even be the first at your position selected would be a quite, su quite a surprise. And we'll go through some potential surprises later on in our pick six. Uh, next up here, Adam Schefter from ESPN reported that there were no failed drug tests at this year's scouting combine. Which is great. Great news. So There were rumors, but thankfully nothing confirmed, which is great. Exactly. Uh, our good friend Tony Pauline, his Draft Buzz column, which he dropped on Monday on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, 
Start off with that, Jared Goff is expected to be the number one overall pick. Uh, but a little bit of a surprise at the quarterback position that Paxton Lynch may not be in the, the number three quarterback off the board. Uh, reportedly, Lynch posted a low score on the Wonderlic test, which has had some red flags. Uh, in fact, Pauline goes as far to say that Christian Hackenberg, there are some people in the league who believe that Hackenberg will be selected ahead of Paxton Lynch. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I, I can definitely see it. I can see why. I can see why there, were, there would be concerns, but it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out because now we're talking, you know, there were the rumor late last week was Hugh Jackson is pushing for uh, Paxton Lynch at number eight. So it'll be very interesting to see how it shakes out. Uh, his last note here in his draft buzz column is that Shaq Lawson, the defensive end from Clemson, expected to be, you know, picked somewhere mid-first round, I would say, that his injured shoulder has not been quite medically cleared. It's been medically cleared, but there are teams that are still uncomfortable with the situation, and there are a few franchises who believe that the condition is degenerative and will cause problems down the road. Yeah, much like Miles Jack, it's going to be up to every team. So some teams may have cleared him, other teams may not have. Right, and it, it, all it takes is one team, the top 10 to say, or in the top 15 to say, uh, shoulder looks good to us, we're going to pull the trigger and take him here. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see where he ends up, but certainly could be in the higher end of the draft. Notable that um, one of the teams that has been linked to him most often is the New York Giants at number 10. Uh, we'll go through some seven-round Eagles-only mock drafts. First, let's take a a national perspective, and this is from Chad Reuter at NFL.com. Goes with Carson Wentz at number two. Pretty simple there. Third round pick. This is where the Eagles, you could see them going in many different directions. You know, you figure that at some point they're going to have to address the offensive line, and you would think that they haven't addressed the offensive line at all since selecting Lane Johnson, number four overall in 2013, that you'd want to use a first or second day pick on an offensive lineman. Well, Reuter has them taking Daniel Lasco, the running back out of California, who had a phenomenal combine workout, but was injured this past season. Injured for a good chunk of the year. Um, very good special teamer. One special teams player of the year for Cal a couple years ago. Um, you know, has that explosive ability, can help as a blocker as well as a receiver. Third round may be a little rich, but I, Lasco overall is intriguing. Yeah, I think he's just a really, really good, pure athlete. We saw him down at the Shrine game. Um, I thought maybe he needs to work on his hands a little bit as a receiver out of the backfield, but that's something that I think will just come with time and more reps. But I think some Eagles fans might look at this mock and say uh, running back in the third round is too high when they have other needs. Uh, I think running back's a position the Eagles could certainly look to address at this point. I think uh, I, wouldn't pigeon I, wish I wouldn't pigeonhole myself to say, oh, the Eagles haven't drafted an O-line in, in however many years. We have to take one in the third round. We have to take one with that third-round pick. Uh, for me, I look at you know, a, a few different positions. If you look at running back, offensive line, maybe a linebacker, uh, maybe someone, a cornerback as well, maybe those four position groups, you say, whoever the best player is on our board at that point, that's who we're going to take. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Eagles do take a running back with that 79th pick. Or a receiver that rhymes with Skyler Lloyd. <laughs> Never know. Myler. <laughs> Weiler. <laughs> Myler Toyd. Jeez. <laughs> All right. What do we got from round five? A pair of fifth-round picks, both Boomer Sooners. Zach Sanchez, the corner of Oklahoma, and then linebacker, hybrid safety, Eric Stryker, also from Oklahoma. Yeah, Sanchez is a little bit undersized. Both players are undersized. Um, both players 
questionable athletic numbers. Uh, you know, Sanchez, I think, profiles as more of a, a slot guy at the next level, instinctive as a three-year starter. Striker, you know, kind of up and down in terms of his overall production, was used as a pass rusher, was used in space, uh, but again, undersized and didn't test all that well. Uh, was one of the more entertaining interviews that we did down at the, the Senior Bowl for sure, but uh, an interesting pair to say the least. Yeah, Eric Stryker I like. I'm just not sure exactly where he would fit in on this Eagles defense. Um, I think Jim Schwartz likes to have those mobile linebackers, guys that can get around from sideline to sideline. Um, not quite sure if Stryker fits, fits that mold or if he'd be used more as a defensive end, you know, a third down, pass rush specialist, that kind of thing. So um, two interesting choices there. All right, in the uh, last two rounds, in round six, Warner has the Eagles taking Kyle Murphy, offensive tackle from Stanford. And with the last two picks, wide receiver Mike Thomas from Southern Miss and Daryl Green, the guard from San Diego State. Yeah, and of the three guys, I like Murphy a good amount. Uh, has played both left and right. Uh, could potentially play guard, but I think he's more of a tackle at the next level. Thomas is an intriguing player, too, a, lot, a player that a lot of hashtag draft Twitter is infatuated with, draft is Mike Twitter. Thomas. Uh, the contested catch weapon from Southern Miss. Mike uh, Thomas, not to be confused with Michael Thomas. Correct, correct. from Ohio mm-hmm. State, absolutely. Who could go in as high as the first round. Or could fall down to round three. Exactly. We <laughs> don't here, know. And here we go. <laughs> this is what the draft is all about. Dale Jeremiah from NFL Network had a great tweet saying that there are 65 players who think they're going to go in the first round. Yep. And there's 31 spots this and year. there's probably like 180 that think they're going to go in round two. Yeah, exactly. And there's going to be a lot of upset, disappointed young men. Sure. Come this weekend. Uh, the local Eagles only mock I want to look at is uh, our Fandemonium columnist, Tommy Lawler. And look, if you look at Tommy's track record over the years, he's learned to have a good feel for how the team drafts. And there are a number of not just the high picks, but mid to late round picks that he's gotten right. So let's go through his Eagles only mock. Goes with Wentz at number two in the third round. He goes offensive line with Joe Dahl from Washington State. I, I really like Joe Dahl. Um, I liked him ever since I first watched him. I, I would really like him in the third round, the guy who's played tackle and guard throughout his career, profiles as more of a guard at the next level. You've seen comparisons to Zach Martin and Joel Batonio and a lot of those guys that have come in, played immediately inside in the NFL and have had success. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Dahl be one of those guys. In the fifth round, he takes a pair of defensive players from Ohio State safety, Tyvis Powell, and then another small school prospect, Tyrone Holmes from Montana. Yeah, Powell is a guy that's played a little bit of free safety, a little bit of strong safety, kind of can be a swing player on the back end at the next level, uh, can be a good tackler playing downhill. And Holmes is one of those high-motor players. It's more of a power-leverage type rusher, heavy-handed. Uh, yeah, again, the high-motor and a good run defender. All right, and then the last two rounds, the final three picks, Stephen Daniels, Boston College, reportedly visited during the pre-draft yeah, process. Yeah, reports about that. Uh, Quinton Jefferson, D-tackle from Maryland, and then Jordan Walsh, offensive guard from Iowa. Yeah, Stephen Tolk Daniels uh, from Boston College. <laughs> that's the kind of linebacker he is. He's kind of that squatty, uh, you know, physical player inside. Grows on you the more you watch, the more you watch him. Uh, good tackler, good feel for playing the run downhill. Jefferson is a really intriguing player. He's got some size to him, has some movement. Uh, really intriguing story. He's an underclassman, declared, had graduated, is married with, with kids. A, a very, very cool story uh, with Quentin Jefferson. So looking at uh, Tommy's mock draft overall, he's got a quarterback, two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, a linebacker, and a safety. 
think he. It's a solid, it's a solid, 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 solid haul. Probably the one position you would think the Eagles will address is wide receiver, but like you said, Alex, about the offensive line, you can't force it. Sure. You know, sure. the Eagles, I recall last year, Eagles had some offensive line prospects rated highly, just they weren't there. They went before the Eagles pick, or the Eagles just got better value getting guys like Eric Rowe and Jordan Hicks right. sure. in the house. That's it. So that's going to do it for our draft buzz. Now, before we get into our Mr. Relevant with Bruce Feldman from Fox Sports, I want to let you all know that you can be part of Eagles Draft Weekend with the Spotlight Forum on Saturday, April 30th. It offers fans an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at life in the NFL from the perspective of Eagles players Brandon Graham, Jordan Hicks, and Chris Maragos, as well as former linebacker Seth Joyner. Join for a full breakdown of football topics focusing on the NFL draft experience. The Spotlight Forum will be held at Lincoln Financial Field and will include a commemorative poster. Check out PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Spotlight Forum for more details. Tickets are going fast, and they are only 15 bucks. And all the players in attendance, as well as the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, will be on hand to autograph your commemorative poster. Definitely do not want to miss it. Now it's time to bring in our Mr. Relevant, Bruce Feldman from Fox Sports. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Our Mr. Relevant on this last edition, that's pre-draft edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA is none other than Bruce Feldman, senior college football reporter and columnist for Fox Sports, a phenomenal follow on Twitter, at Bruce Feldman, CFB. And he also wrote the book, The Making of the Modern Era Quarterback. So certainly when you're talking about quarterbacks and you know that the Eagles are going to take one at number two, we have to get the guy who's covered these guys at the collegiate level, who knows about the game. He is the true insider. Bruce, thank you very much for joining us here today on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Bruce, we want to get into the two guys. We want to get into... Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, and I know everyone is assuming, or at least the rumblings are, that Jared Goff will go number one, but if for some reason he does slide to number two and the Eagles do select him, what were your first interactions in terms of covering Jared Goff? You're in California, you know, you've been on the West Coast, you know, you followed his entire career. This is a, a young man who started as a true freshman at Cal, was a brilliant starter for three seasons. What, when did Jared Goff first stand out to you as a prospect? Uh, even in the, the coming out of the recruiting process, he comes from an area that cranks out a lot of quarterbacks, quite honestly, in, in, in the Bay Area. And he came up through the Elite 11 system, which is where you'll see a lot of kids who either work with high-profile private quarterback coaches or just you know kind of been exposed to, to more of the 7-on-7 seven seven, seven side of uh, – the recruiting world, he was just kind of around. And I'll say this, Cal, from the time Aaron Rodgers left, has had a lot of pretty hyped quarterback recruits who've gone in there, and none of them lived up to it. They all underwhelmed. And Aaron Rod- I'm sorry, Jared Goff was really the first one to be like, okay, this guy, you know, this guy definitely has some ability. And I think what you saw from him was, he went in when the program was really, really, really struggling. And they gave, you know, he won the job. There was another guy not long before him named Zach Klein who came in with, with a lot of hype. 
and has a really good arm, but it just seems like it's, you know, it gets cloudy when he's out there on the field and just doesn't see it well. Whereas Goff, I think there was something when I talked to his coaches that said he just stood out, just his presence and his ability to kind of process on the fly was pretty unique at a young age. Now, the downside was he was not surrounded with much talent when he got there. The defensive cow was horrible. Uh, the receivers were really young. The offensive line wasn't very good. They did have some speed, but, you know, so, so that all that was kind of going against them, and they took a lot of lumps early in that first year. But I think you saw him make a big, big jump from, from his true freshman year, and a lot of, you know, a lot of quarterbacks in major college football don't even play, much less start as true freshman. And then year two, 35 touchdowns, seven picks, and he got it going, and, and we saw him continue to grow. And I think that's, that's a big reason why he kind of got on people's radar. You saw the development. He's played a lot of football. He's been in a lot of games. The three biggest things why I don't think there'll be a bust, and I'm, I use it like that way because I think determining just how good you know a good quarterback is in the NFL, a lot of factors go into it. You know, the system they're in, the personnel around them, how stable the 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 structure is above them, all those things. But in terms of he's very accurate, he has a really good pocket presence, and he will work. And I think those things are, are key. And some of them sound like they're, well, he's a quarterback, should be accurate. Well, the reality is a lot of the guys, you know, you look at a Jake Locker, you look at some of these other guys, who on in the first round, they haven't been accurate, and he is, and he's got good pocket presence, and I think he sees the field well. And so, you know, I, I expect him to be a good NFL quarterback. Bruce, you, you talk about the traits with Jared Goff, and one of the things that I was most excited to talk to you about was obviously, look, you, you have done so much research into the quarterback position. Uh, Chris mentioned the, you know, the QB, the making of the modern-day quarterback. You also wrote a book with Mike Leach, you swing your sword, and, and he is the uh, one of the foremost minds in terms of the air raid offense and, and really is in that Sonny Dykes coaching tree. Do you have any kind of concern? What are your thoughts about quarterbacks transitioning from that system and going on to the NFL? Are you in any way, shape, or form concerned about Goff making that transition after talking with so many pro-style quarterback coaches and guys that are trying to transition guys, get them ready for the league? Well, it's ironic. If you look at guys who have come from a version of that system, let's, let's, you know, kind of go back a step here. There are elements of what Leach and how Mummy, you know, started doing 20 years ago that have filtered up the NFL. Now, Leach has exclusively, you know, stayed true to his system, whereas other guys, you know, pick and choose parts of it. But if you look back, you know, there's been guys who play in the NFL from that system. One of the guys who's I, I don't even know, I want to use the term, the most successful of it in the last 10 years would probably be Sam Bradford. You know, he came out of Oklahoma where they, they run elements of that. You know, he's had, as you guys well know, he's had struggles staying on the field, and it's not like he's gone in there and been, you know, and turned into even Matt Ryan. Um, you go back to Tim Couch, he was a pure air raid guy, you know, first pick in the draft, and... He was running for his life in Cleveland, and it just it just didn't work. So I think until one of these guys really shows he has staying power, I think there's going to be a little concern, or maybe there's a lot of concern. Uh, you know, I know just from, from being around the Leach guys, most of the quarterbacks he's had, all but I think one, didn't have big, big-time arm strength. 
And in the NFL, it's a different game where the windows close faster. I think that's a concern. Jared Goff's arm, you know, he doesn't have a cannon, but he has enough arm strength. I mean, I think you'd look at, you know, a guy like I mentioned, Matt Ryan, I think that's a fair comparison to him. But if he can turn out to be Matt Ryan, I think, you know, whoever gets him should be pretty happy with him. I mean, is that Aaron Rodgers? No. But, again, I think some of these things determine, you know, just the environment they're in and who's around them. But, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hung up that oh well he came from an air raid system because there's you know it's not exactly the way Leach was running it or how Mummy was running it. I, I think again, you know, there's a lot of factors go into why you know Graham Harrell didn't do more than stick as a third stringer for a couple of years or why Cliff Kingsbury didn't you know didn't end up the starter some someplace else. I just think it's there's there's too many factors go into it. Bruce, I'd like to switch gears here and go over to Carson Wentz. Obviously, he played in more of an NFL-style offense at North Dakota State, but uh, playing at a lower FCS level, uh, when did he kind of pop up on your radar as a prospect? Uh, and when you kind of dug in and watched some of the tape on him, uh, what was it about him that, that kind of elevated him to where he's at today heading into the draft? You know, I knew he was the starter uh, in 2014 there. The, the starter before him, uh, is a guy who won three national championships while while Wentz was a backup there. Brock Jensen was his name, and I had you know got to know Brock a little bit because when I was working on the QB, uh, Brock Jensen was was out in San Diego training with with George Whitfield, who was Johnny Manziel and Logan Thomas and Mike Evans, the receivers uh, coach, getting ready for the draft. And Brock Jensen was there for a little bit of time, and so I was kind of familiar with him, and he. You know, was up, ended up in the CFL, and you know you'd heard something about this big, really athletic kid who was behind him, and then they kept winning. They won another national title, and then uh, two summers ago, he was a counselor with a lot of the other, uh, you know, touted college, top college quarterbacks out at the Nike uh, facility for the Elite Eleven. You know, where they have not just the top, you know, fifteen or twenty high school quarterbacks around the country, but they'll also have, you know, a half dozen college counselors who are quarterbacks themselves. Christian Hackenberg was one, Connor Cook, uh, JT Barrett from Ohio State, Josh Dobbs from Tennessee, Blake Zaire from Nebraska, from Notre Dame, but also you had Wentz, and Wentz was the guy a lot, and really nobody knew. He was the biggest of the bunch. He was as athletic as any of them. His arm was obviously stood out. I think it stood out just like Hackenberg stood out. Uh, but, you know, he was kind of an X factor. And at that point, I was like, wow, this guy's pretty interesting from a skill set because you watched him do a lot of the things. And I, the comparison in my head back then was a year earlier, Sean Mannion, who was at Oregon State and played in a more of a, more of a pro-style offense than most of these guys, 6'7", good arm, uh, was there a year earlier, and I remember thinking, well, oh, this guy's almost as big as Mannion and moves much better, and he throws it, you know, I think he throws it even better, so I was like, well, maybe he's a third-round pick. And then as we got closer, they won another national title. Now, what's interesting is the first week of the college football season, at least they played the first game of the year that was on national TV. It was an ESPN game. They played against Montana. Both schools are, you know, FCS powerhouses at this point. And there was it, it was the week really before major college football started. So you had, if you were a dire college football fan, you were watching that game. 
Carson Wentz and, and uh, North Dakota State lost that game. What's ironic is, like, later in the year, they played Montana again. They beat Montana. The only thing was, Carson Wentz didn't beat them. His backup did. Wentz was hurt for, for about half the year. And I talked to the Montana head coach, uh, Ben and Bob Stitt, who's a really good offensive coach. And I said, what do you think? He goes, well, you know, if they had played uh, Wentz, we might have beat him again. I was like, well, how do you beat the guy? He might be the first pick in the draft. And he said, you know, they were so much more better in the trenches, so much more physical than us. When they had the backup in there, they just, you know, muscled up and just shoved it down our throat. Whereas with Wentz, you know, they were trying to do some different things, and it almost played into their hands and gave them more of a fighting chance to win. So it's ironic. You could beat a guy who could be the first or second pick in the draft, and you can't beat, like, a backup freshman, you know, in that way. And so from that process, you know, he kept on, you know, flashing on the radar, and then obviously he goes to the Senior Bowl, and I think he wowed a lot of people, not just when they saw how much better he threw it than the other guys there, but also... The guy with the unrecognizable helmet logo kind of was able to manage and didn't shriek from the spotlight against all these quote unquote you know big name school guys. And sometimes that's a, you know something I think a lot of people in NFL circles watches because the position of quarterback is so much about leadership and competitiveness and and who kind of handles the spotlight. And he handled it very very well. Bruce, in all of your years covering college football, have you ever followed the story of someone like Carson Wentz who came on the rise so quickly, so to speak, because I think a lot of people didn't know who he was until the Senior Bowl and is now projected to be the highest you know, non-FBS player ever selected in the draft if he does go number one or number two overall? It's, it's, an, it's a pretty awesome story. When you go back, he's 5'8", as a high school freshman, and he's from Bismarck, North Dakota. It's not like a lot of people are, are recruiting, recruiting there in the first place. Now, at the end of his you know, high school season, I guess there was a Mac school here or there that was had interest, but he decided to go there, and then he sits for three years. Um, that's pretty unique just to see the fact that he's not just like a fringe first-round pick. You know, like you said, he could be the first pick in the draft. I mean, there are some stories of like, you know, like the Cinderella kind of aspect. Aaron Rodgers' story to me is pretty amazing in that he had no offers out of high school, and he gets a growth spurt and goes to junior college, and he turns into you know, and then he gets bypassed for Alex Smith in the first pick, and then falls all the way you know down the down the first round, and he's a guy to go to the Hall of Fame. But this story is definitely up there because, like you said, it it turns so fast. Now we got to see if he can deliver once he gets in the league. I mean, but. From the start, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to see. And it's a reminder for all the people who got caught up in recruiting and this guy's a five-star and this guy's a four-star. Well, this guy, Carson Wentz, is a no-star. And he, he may be the first pick in the draft. I mean, I doubt it, but he'd probably be the second pick in the draft. And that's, that's saying something. Bruce, my last question for you here is, do you have an NFL comparison for Carson Wentz? You know, the one that I, I thought of a little bit, and maybe it's, maybe it's a stretch, but I was like, eh, I see some Carson Palmer in him. You know, he's maybe a, he's not quite as tall, but he's close. Uh, he's probably a little better athlete. I don't know if he has quite as much arm strength, but I think it's comparable. Uh, I know guys who were teammates of, Car- of Carson Palmer out of, uh, at USC, and they said he was just kind of a meathead dude, and they said it very 
affectionately. You know, he's a, this is a, a guy that was a D lineman who was now a, a college coach, and, and he said all the linemen loved Carson Palmer. And I think that's the same vibe you get when you talk to people. I've talked to people at North Dakota State, and that's the same vibe you get from them. Uh, and the other thing about Carson Palmer is he was a guy who struggled early on in his career, for much of his career, so really Norm Child out there as the offensive coordinator and then had a big finish. In the case of Carson Wentz, it wasn't like he struggled early on, but he wasn't even playing. So I think you saw him hit a real, you know, just the, the curve, the learning curve just took off. And so to me, that's the one I see. I, I don't know, you know, where other people are when they, you know, throw out comparisons. That's the one that stood out to me just for a lot of those factors. And, hey, if he turns out to be Carson Palmer, I think that's, you know, you've got to be happy with that. Bruce Feldman, senior college football reporter and columnist for Fox Sports. Again, he's a must-follow on Twitter all year round, not just with the draft because he has all the insights of college football, but to follow everything that's going on during the college football season. You can follow him on Twitter at Bruce Feldman, CFB. Bruce, thank you very much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Now it's time for Pick 6. It's time for pick six, so we got to go bold here, a little spicy, bold predictions for draft week, and I'll kick things off here, and you know, we were collaborating on our list, and there were a couple ideas that Fran had that kind of stole my thunder, and you're trying to think of something, you know, a little off the beaten path, but not too crazy, but here's one that I'm sure fans, fans might be aware of this. But there's going to be a kicker who's going to be selected on day two of the NFL draft, and that's Florida State's Robert Roberto Aguayo, three-time All-American at Florida State, Lou Groza Award winner, prolific scorer, accuracy dropped a little bit in 2015, but still one of the best kicking prospects in a long time. I know a couple years ago the Jacksonville Jaguars took Brian Anger, the punter, in the third round. Didn't work out well for them. No. Not on the team anymore. But Bobby Groza could be better, though. Could be. So Roberto Aguayo, kicker, will go day, in the huh? second day, probably somewhere in the third round. Who will pull the trigger? I mean, it's not the first round like the Raiders and Sebastian Janikowski, but no. still, strong to take a kicker. Never say never. Seabass has kind of worked out, though, with the Raiders, I would say. I would say that he's been, Yeah. how long has he been? He's been a pretty consistent kicker for a long time. Yeah, but... <laughs> Either way, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right, what do you got, Alex? All right, so a lot of talk about the quarterback position, obviously. Uh, I want to move to the late rounds here, and I think that the best late-round quarterback in this year's class okay. won't be Brandon Allen, won't be Jacoby Brissett, Cody Kessler, Jeff Driscoll, won't be any of those guys. It's going to be Vernon Adams from Oregon, and he's been in the news recently because he came out the other day and said that he thinks he's just as good or if not, if not better than Jared Goff as a quarterback. thinks he can do everything that, that Goff can do, can make all the throws. And I'm a Vernon Adams guy. I, I believe in him. I, he, I think he's listed at five foot ten. He may even be a little bit shorter than that. I think that might be a generous listing. But um, I think Adams can play. Uh, he's going to have a little bit of trouble maybe seeing over the line at times, and that's fine. Russell Wilson's dealt with that. I'm not saying that he's Russell Wilson, even though he compares himself to him. Um, but I just have a feeling that Vernon Adams is going to find a way to, to latch onto a team and, and eventually 
become a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. I believe in Vernon Adams. I, I appreciate the boldness of that prediction. Yeah. That's what we're doing here, right? Yeah, that's a bold one. Uh, I think I like to think that some of the players that are going to be latched to me in this draft in terms of being like quote unquote like my guys mm-hmm. are Tyler Boyd and Christian Hackenberg. Yep. Tyler Boyd, that's what it rhymes with. Yes, yes. correct. Um, my, I'm going to go and say that Tyler Boyd or Christian Hackenberg will go in round one this Thursday night. Or one not and? Ooh, not no and. I don't know if I don't know if both will go, but oh. one of the two will go. You got to be bold here. Frank. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of buzz lately uh, about Christian Hackenberg going, uh, you know, ahead of Paxton Lynch. Peter King said that he could go to Buffalo. Mark Eckel from NJ.com said he could go to the Jets at number twenty. Mm. I hope. Man, look, I I like Christian Hackenberg. I hope he doesn't go to a place where he has to play early because he's not ready to play right now. But uh, if he can go to a coach that can coach him up, even if he, if he ended he's probably not going to end up here, but if he ended up in a situation like here in Philadelphia where you have three former quarterbacks on staff to really work with them and develop them, I think he can really grow into something. Uh, some of my other guys are getting some love too. Leonard Floyd, Peter King said, could go in the top ten. Uh, Reggie Ragland could go as high as number seven to San Francisco. Wow. Uh, so uh, some, some of my guys getting some love. See the next coming of Patrick Willis. Good question. Almost what you would look for him to be. All right, so my second bold prediction. I've said all along that the Cowboys should look to draft their quarterback of the future at number four. Sort of like the Eagles, how they're taking advantage of being in the top ten, moving up to number two. Quarterback's out of the picture for the Cowboys at number four at this point. I, I don't think they're taking Paxton Lynch that high unless they go back or take a Christian Hackenberg. But I do think, my bold prediction will be this, the Cowboys, like the Eagles, will get their future signal caller in this draft probably in the second round. Mm. Uh, who, I think, who do you think it's going to be? It's a great question. If Hackenberg's still in the mix there, maybe they're sold on Connor Cook. But I think the Dallas Cowboys have to realize that, look, they're in a situation where the window's open for them to be competitive now, and I think mm-hmm. they would have won the division, no question, last year if Tony Romo hadn't been hurt. Mm-hmm. But Tony Romo's another year older. You need to start looking toward the future. I thought being a number four was a great situation for them. I think they will come out of this draft with their future signal caller. Maybe, maybe it's Dak Prescott. Very maybe, interesting name. Maybe they could be sold on Dak Prescott as a future guy. I think it's pretty much set in stone that Jalen Ramsey's going to be the pick there, though, right? I mean, unless somebody trades unless somebody up, trades up to and three. three. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it seems like that's the... That's not a four. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Not a four, but I think that, you know... Yeah, of course. They're right. going to look for their guy. Yeah, they're not going to reach for Do they even have a backup quarterback? Who's the backup to Tony Romo right now? Is it Drew Henson? Yeah. <laughs> Drew Henson might be playing baseball somewhere. Yeah, probably. All right, what do you got, Alex? Uh, let's see. Oh, okay, my next one here. My final bold prediction. The Eagles will draft Jalen Smith. And fans Whoa. everywhere rejoice. See, you're only doing this because you operate this is the what it Eagles is. account. This is what it is. You know how many fans will love the fact I'm that tired of, I'm tired of negative mentions. I want all the positive <laughs> mentions for at Eagles. Jalen Smith, the Eagles are going to draft him. And here's my reasoning. He doesn't have to be a starter right away. He doesn't have to play right away. And obviously, you know, there's different questions of when he'll be able to come back, you know, all, the, all those things with his wow. knee and nerve damage. He doesn't have to play right away. I think the Eagles have, they know who their starters are, I think, at the linebacker spots right now. Um, so give him some time. Let him take a redshirt year. 
And even if you have to wait, it's the same idea of drafting a quarterback and giving him the redshirt year and then making sure he's ready and then putting him in. And you could be getting a top five talent. I have maybe in the fifth round. If, if Maybe that's a good spot where the Eagles could take him. They have two fifth-round picks. Maybe they use one of them on Jalen Smith if he's still available. And then in a year or two, you have Michael Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, and Jalen Smith as your linebacking core, and you're set. I, I love Jalen Smith, so I mean, I, I'm willing to bet on the talent, but I haven't seen the medical report, so I have no idea what he's looking like. Um, so I like that. Uh, so I went with some surprise guys that could slide into round one for my final prediction. I will name some names that I think all fall to round two. Are you ready for my list? Yep. All right. Here are the five, no, four names. I can't count. Here are the four guys I expect to fall to round two that are getting mentions for round one. Emmanuel Ogba from Oklahoma State, the defensive end. Shaq Lawson, the defensive end from Clemson. Don't be surprised. Robert Kandichi from from Ole Miss, the defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. And Laquan Treadwell, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, that a lot of people saw as the number one receiver on the board. It's amazing because the mock drafts now have that there could be a run of receivers. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it could be Fuller, in whatever order, Fuller, Coleman, Dachson, Mm -hmm. all before well, for an interesting exercise, I actually did a mock draft with Ross Tucker uh, on the College Draft Podcast. Okay. okay? I'll give it a and listen. Okay. So we, we both went who we think the team should take, not who they will take. Yes, who so they should take. Okay. I went with a big run on receivers leading on the back end. He went with a big run on defensive linemen on the back end. So it was just interesting watching them both play out, and you see, oh, who are the players that are falling down to the bottom end? You know, Jack Conklin went, you know, nine for him, but he went 22 for me, you know, whatever yeah. it was. Uh, I, with the Tampa at nine? It, wherever he ended up going. Okay. I, I think it, it might have been Tampa. He had him going pretty high, and I gotcha. had him going pretty low. He had Treadwell going around 20. I had a bunch of receivers go off the board before Cincinnati even picked. So it was really? it's, uh, it's always interesting just to see how it's going. That's yeah. why Thursday night's going to be so fun. What were the couple others I was playing with in my head for bold predictions? I was trying to think of, like, last year I was beating the drum that Cam Irving would be a, a first-round pick. Yep. You know, you're looking at Alabama's uh, Ryan Allen being that guy this year. Um, yeah, sure. I was thinking there could be a late run on quarterbacks in the first round. I know I mentioned how you kind of stole the thunder with, like, Hackenberg there. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, Denver's at 31, and there's no question they need a quarterback. And they've been linked to quarterbacks throughout the mock draft process. There's no 32nd pick this year. And plus, you want to control that quarterback. Sort of like the Minnesota Vikings moving back into the first round to get Teddy Bridgewater a couple mm-hmm. years ago. You want to have that fifth-year option on the quarterback to keep him on the cheap. I wouldn't be surprised to see some teams who may need a quarterback move into that late part of round one. Well, here, so here are two other ones I was playing with, too. Was okay. Will Fuller being wide receiver one, going off the board ahead of any receiver, which I would pretty much starkly disagree with. Uh, and then also... Uh, Carl Joseph getting into the back end of round one was okay. another one that has been thrown around uh, yeah. by a couple of different people. So, Yeah, I was thinking of throwing Hackenberg ahead of uh, Paxton Lynch, but then you kind of jumped in and took that one. I will say, though, Fran, I'm going to respectfully disagree with three of the players on your list there that you think you are going to fall around to. Lawson, Kimdichie, and Treadwell are all going to go in the first round. That's an Alex Smith lock. Oh, I like this. All three. Chris, like Lawson, Kimdichie, and Treadwell. Lawson, Kimdichie, and Treadwell are all going to go in the what's first round. What's on the line? So what's on the line? You guys, you guys have something to think about. At 11.30 lunch. <laughs> yes. There we go. Yeah. There, there we go. go. So with that in mind, we're going to transition to Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. 
for our draft mailbag to round things out here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. We asked you, the fans, to come up with your own Eagles-only mock drafts, and we heard from one national writer. We heard from Fandemonium columnist Tommy Lawler. Now let's go to you, the fans. First one comes from at Gomez36 on Twitter. Okay? Chalk answer across the board. Carson Wentz, number two. Then in the third round, LaRaven Clark. I would love LaRaven Clark in the third round. I just don't think he's going to make it there. I think he's going to be... A mid-second round pick. I love LaRaven Clark. I think it's pretty. Chances are slim LaRaven Clark falls to round three. But I, I, I agree, great value. If you draft LaRaven Clark, I don't know if you slide him into guard at first, but I think he's your right tackle for the long run. I think you could set him up there. He's got the power. He's got the footwork. I think he'd be a good right tackle. And he has started a guard during his earliest career at Texas Tech. All right, the third round picks DeAndre Washington and I'm sorry, fifth round picks. My apologies. The fifth round picks DeAndre Washington and. Zach Sanchez. We talked about Sanchez earlier. Washington, undersized back. There's a lot of those third-down scat-type backs that are undersized, good receivers, quick, can make you miss. Washington's one of those players. Okay, in the later rounds, we talked about Mike Thomas, the receiver from Southern Miss. Then Tevin Carter and Alex Huddle. Huddle, just like Huddle. Bowling Green. Uh, Tevin Carter is a safety from Utah that we mm-hmm. saw yeah. uh, down at the Shrine game. Bigger guy, was used in space, but I think his, his best bet would be to play as kind of a box safety type. Even though he's got pretty good hands, mm-hmm. I think overall his athletic limitations will limit him to a box type role. I could see him being a Jim Schwartz guy, though. I could see it happening. Sure, and I, I know, uh, absolutely, and I know that uh, Schwartz likes to use his uh, safeties kind of interchangeable, likes him to be able to do both. So You um, talked with Carter. Down the I front. did, and I was yeah. so impressed by just how big he was. Yeah. Just standing next to you. You see him on the field, but when he stood next to you, I feel like a linebacker standing right. next to you. He's a really, really physical guy, so that's why I do think that he could be a Jim Schwartz uh, kind of guy. All right, next one here comes from Raheem Jackson on Twitter. Wentz, number two. C.J. Proceis, the running back from Notre Dame. C-Mac rejoices. I would, I would be quite happy with that, but... Quite kind of interesting because you go to the fifth round picks. You have Rashard Robinson, the talented but troubled corner from LSU. Tyler Irvin. Yeah. So you double yep. dip. Double dip on the when, backs. When I first saw that, I was like, there, "There's no way they're going to draft two running backs." But I'm thinking about it now, and I think if you if you say that Tyler Irvin can be your Darren Sproles type of the future, where he'll he can be your kick returner, excellent on special teams, and he's your change of pace back to go along with ProSites. It's not. It's questionable, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's outside the box, but yeah, I would say that it's not like rip this up and throw it in the trash, mm, bad. Yeah. Here's something I've I've thought about. This is actually something else I consider for the bold prediction that the Eagles would follow the blueprint of the Washington Redskins and double dip on quarterback. Oh. If if a guy that they like that they visit with, uh, you know, like Kevin Hogan type, something player. like that, is that they are in like the sixth round. Why not? Because Good long term, and you know, it could it's, be an asset you develop and trade down the line. Just if he never becomes anything for you, that that was something that crossed my mind. I'm like, you know what? That would not shock me. It's not so much as Carson Wentz insurance, but it's just another guy in the pipeline to develop. Throw it out there. It's it's a really interesting strategy because you move up into the first round to get your guy, and you say, hey, this is our guy for the next ten years. This is our the face of our franchise. And then you're, you know, a few rounds later, it's, well, just in case we're going to have somebody. And I think the the best case scenario when you do that is to say, we want to develop this guy and make him into a trade ship down the road and get some value back yeah. from him, which, which I think is is what you want to happen if that's the case. So sure, um, 
I could see it happening, um, but we'll see. Uh, next one comes from at Chris Sugg 76 on Twitter. In the third round, we went in the first. Jalen Smith. There he is. Goes in the third round. And then in the fifth round, had a hard time deciding on the O-lineman here. Brandon Shell's the one. John Theus from John. Georgia. The the second. You have one senior bowl guy, one shrine guy. Uh, Shell, the, the great nephew of former NFL Hall, NFL Hall of Famer Art Shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theus has been a four-year starter for the Bulldogs in the SEC. Both have been four-year stars in the SEC. So two talented players that, you know, Prototypically, if you're talking body types, are right tackle type players. I guess well, two fifth round picks. You can have both. Why not? Double dip, double, double dip on the old lineman. In the sixth, Alex Collins, and then in the seventh round, uh, I know the line. The seventh might uh, be Robinson from LSU, the corner again, Rashard Robinson. Oh, uh, okay. And left tackle would be Deion Jones from LSU. Yes. There you go. Two LSU players. Robinson LT. Yeah, left tackle. left tackle Robinson. Uh, it could be the, the the Georgia Southern kid that I haven't watched yet. Okay. So there you go. So there you go. So, um, and then Deion Jones there at the end. So forgot his name. So Chris Suggs. Chris Suggs, seventy six. There. You go. there. Well done. Uh, Corbin Springer, KJ Springer, twenty three on Twitter. Goes with West, also goes with CJ Procise. Then Joe Dahl. Joe Dahl at five. DeAndre Houston Carson at five. I'm liking this right now. This is a good start. Terrence Smith, I like Terrence six. Smith. Luther Matty. I nice. like I like Luther Matty too. Luther Matty has had injury issues the last couple of years, but otherwise he would have gone higher in this draft. Uh, I I vote for Corbin Springer as my favorite. And then Marcus Johnson to round things out. Yeah, that's a, that's, so, a, that's, a, that's a that's a good, good one. That's so, a good mock right there. So there you go. So those are some of your mock drafts, and just make sure you keep the conversation going on social media all weekend long with the hashtag Eagles Draft. That's going to do it for us here on this. Last pre-draft edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. For Fran Duffy and Alex Smith and our producer Brian Thomas, I'm Chris McPherson. Again, make sure to download the Eagles mobile app and follow our coverage on Eagles Draft Central all weekend long. Until then, have a great Eagles night.